Hey there, everyone. Here is the full discussion from episode 502 of our podcast. In it, Nate, John, and myself discuss our church backgrounds prior to coming to the Pure Life Residential Program and how they shaped our way of thinking. We looked at how those backgrounds led us to elevate talent and good works over devotion to God and how various online preachers and music artists influenced our religion more than the truth of God's Word. Okay, so this is the 11th episode in our series, Babylon, the Seat of Satan's Power. And I'm joined today by Patrick Hudson, who coordinates all of our ministry outreach stuff and also does a lot of editing for Purity for Life. Thanks for coming in. Happy to be here. All right. And the man truly behind the scenes in every aspect of Purity for Life, John Tiberi, our editor. Thank you for having me as well. Okay. Okay, so here's what we want to talk about today. Last episode was about how an apathetic church culture makes it easy for people to just live a life of sin, basically, all right? This episode is going to focus on another aspect of church culture, which is how there's kind of a, there's a system in place hmm. which exalts people who have charisma and ambition and talent regardless of their character. And so what happens very often is when you exalt someone who is all about their goals and ambitions, making a name for themselves, you maybe inadvertently bring someone to the top who ends up being a false teacher. Or you just provide this atmosphere in the church where anyone can be very influential in the church, regardless of what they're teaching or what mm. kind of character they have. And you, me, people who are listening may have grown up in a church that was doing this. We do want to be really careful as we start out here and explain that just because we're going to share some of our own personal testimony does not mean that we're saying the churches we came out of, it's all false teachers, or it's mm -hmm. their fault that mm -hmm. we were in sexual sin, or anything like that. All we're trying to do is maybe um, share a little bit of our own experience, maybe some of the things in our churches that represent larger trends. And so, yeah, again... We just want to be really careful. We're not trying to blame our churches for the fact that we ended up in sexual sin. We're not trying to bash our own churches. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to talk about some of the contributing factors. Um, okay, so here was one of the things that we talked about, or we thought about when we were planning. Some churches do very little to actually confront sin. They don't preach against carnality, they don't preach against wickedness, they don't preach against sin. Um, and so it makes it really easy for people to just live in sin in that kind of atmosphere. Um, Patrick, I'll just start with you. Was Does that resonate with you at all, some mm -hmm. of the churches that you grew up in? Can mm -hmm. you talk about that? Yeah, well, I think... Like, the church I grew up in was pretty solid, I think, doctrinally. But I, what I remember from, actually more from the youth group messages, was just, 
like a lot of teaching about the historical facts. So you'd learn a lot of anecdotes about what the culture was like or about, yeah, just different things like the different laws and the Old Testament and all that. And so there wasn't a lot of confrontation. And it actually, again, not putting it on my church, but what I look back on is it really developed a lot of pride in my heart. Like I started to know stuff and I would know more than other people who went to other churches. And so it, yeah, Mm. it didn't confront my sin. It actually kind of ended up building it up because no one was ever kind of really talking about the truth. Okay. Okay. So yeah. And just again, as, as a way to frame this, it wasn't the church's fault necessarily, but it was your response. Oh yeah. To that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tiberi? So the church that I was going to, I got, I went to a discipleship ministry for drugs and alcohol. And then after that, I knew that the church back home that my brother was a pastor at was a solid church and just like was raised in that, like just knowing like that this is solid. But when I went back to that church, I did so much outreach and other things in the realm of with drug addiction and all that, that I was kind of like slippery for the leaders. Mm. Like they would not be able to like tie me down to sit down and, you know, Mm. that often. So I was still a member of the church, but even when they like confronted me, like, okay, you want to be a member of the church. Have you not viewed pornography for a year or two? I forgot what it was. And I just flat out lied. Like I haven't. So it's like, they're trying to Mm. lead me in the right path and confront me and they're preaching truth. But I'm being like, I'm just completely like suppressing the truth and lying to them. So at that, in that aspect, I think that I probably was, I was in a solid church background, but it was like, there's nothing they could do because I wasn't living in the light. Okay. Okay. So you did have, though, you did have experience with a church that was definitely not really preaching the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I did. So I ended up leaving that church with my um my brother because I was doing a lot of Christian hip-hop outreach and just like the church I was involved with in the city, another church I befriended, they really were like using my talents and kind of in the topic of what we're talking about here and what you opened up with that there wasn't really looking at the character and how I was living. Mm. It was just that I can bring something to the table and I can outreach people and bring congregants and bring, yeah, just a following. So that actually didn't just happen with that church, different churches that me and my friends would do outreach with. Okay, okay, mm. yeah. Um, so... I'm just thinking about like, okay, so let's say that you go to a church and you're there for a number of years and you get into the culture of this of this church, you're going to be given an impression about what it actually means to be a Christian. They they may never actually say those words mm-hmm. like this is what it means to be a Christian, but just over time you're going to get an impression about what it actually means to follow Jesus. So like, what was the impression overall that you were getting, mm-hmm. would you say? Well, it's interesting because you were talking about service a little bit, um, and that's kind of what I, when I was reflecting on this, what stands out to me. It's when we wanted to bring people into the church, it's 
get the kids involved. We had a huge music program. Get the kids involved in choir and handbells and the musicals, doing service projects for different, you know, world missions groups and stuff like that, fundraisers. So as I was thinking about it, it's like, yeah, if it, if someone came in to the church and got in the culture and started doing all the stuff, it's kind of like they skipped the whole part where they needed to actually be converted. And okay. like all, like, I don't remember any, you know, times where someone would say like, yeah, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. It was just, oh, we got to get them in choir. We got to get them doing stuff. So I guess what, when I think about all that, what it means to be a Christian, it's just kind of the the actions and the doing and the service and right. the what you're kind of have been kind of alluding to the reality of someone's life in Christ and kind of forsaking their their worldliness kind of didn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I would say that church um that I was going to was very much like a lot of people from like backgrounds of maybe criminal activity, maybe drugs and alcohol, maybe just many type of like outward sins that were very obvious. And there it was kind of like your like newness of life almost was like, I'm not doing those things mm-hmm. anymore. Okay, and sure. So what that really triggered was that a lot of like, I feel like even in like the sexual immorality realm and like those things, if you were struggling, like it wasn't a huge deal because you're not like as deep as you were mm-hmm. in the world before. And so I really caught on to a like idea there. That was where I really got this idea that I'm just doing better than I was. Hmm. So this is just the process of my salvation with the Lord and I am getting better while all along like things weren't changing, but I'm being affirmed that I'm doing well. So that was a big thing there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like, well, you're not doing drugs. So that means you're, you're, you've been made new. Yeah, the whole focus wasn't really on like, are you forsaking all and following Jesus? It was more like humanitarianism, mm-hmm. like we're, you know, we're doing greater good for the community. We're helping people. We used to be more of a, like a, like a harm to society and now okay. we're doing good. Okay. So that was like the gospel in the terms of how mm-hmm. things are being lived out. Yeah, I was trying to think about what it was like for me growing up and... Some of the churches that I that I went to, especially when I was like really deep in in my sin, um, I mean to be fair, I never really opened up to anybody. So it's hard mm-hmm. to say what the what the reaction would have been from the pastors. But um, I think in in general terms. The expectation was just kind of like, if you're there, then you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there was ever really much of a, um, like a a pressing in of where are you with the Lord yeah. in your heart, in reality. You know, like when a passage was preached, I mean, from the very little that I remember, I I just never, like, there was never anything that really called into question, where am I with the Lord spiritually mm-hmm. that I can remember? I mean, and it's hard to say, again, like, it's hard to say that that was the church's fault because I was totally blind, but 
I guess the the only thing that I can relate it to is what it was like to come to pure life, you know? <laughs> and then, like, you are face down yeah. with the reality of your life, and it's like, whoa, how did I never hear this before? And it kind of makes me wonder what I was hearing when I was at church. Um, here's another question I had was, okay, so you're in this culture, and there's definitely going to be expectations. There's going to be things that are acceptable and things that are unacceptable. And sometimes I wonder how many of those things that are acceptable are just cultural. You know, it's not because it's acceptable to the Lord, but just because it's acceptable in that church culture. Um, were there things like that that you look back and go, oh, wow, like, how, how was this okay? with all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, for me, it's just always entertainment okay. um, is just the thing that, you know, I look back and think about like a, what do you call them now? Lock-ins? Like were they, you know, an all-nighter at the oh, church? Right. And it's like, yeah, we'll play Call of Duty or Halo or, um, you know, we'll watch these TV shows or movies that are, you know, just have a lot of innuendo and stuff in them. And it just, it kind of is amazing to me, the the stuff that I grew up with that I never considered being a problem. And the, yeah, I mean, there, I, I don't have to explain that, like, Entertainment is filled with things that are just not pleasing to the Lord. I think it's obvious, and yet it's just was totally accepted. And yeah. so when I think back on it, it just the the thing that kind of stands out to me is like there's a really shallow definition of like knowing Jesus or and as long as I fit into that, I can really believe or do whatever I want mm -hmm. and I can call myself a Christian. And I mean, I think that worked out even into really clear sinful things and even sexual immorality. The church, a lot of the churches that I was at would preach well, would say that, you know, sex outside of marriage or homosexuality was wrong but then a lot of members in the church didn't actually believe that. Like my friend groups, people that I was around would gladly accept someone who was struggling with same-sex attraction or would taught, you know, be clearly crossing boundaries with their uh, partner or whatever, but it's like total disconnect from, from what the church is preaching. And that was just kind of a pretty common part of the culture that I grew up in. Okay. I would say that I'm not 100% sure what was acceptable because I don't think I just hung out with the church members enough outside of church, but I know my home life was very much like anything goes with entertainment at some level, like there were kind of our own standards. And I could see that that a lot of the people I was in church with knew the stuff I was watching and nobody was like telling me like you're crossing the line. So I wouldn't know exactly what they were okay with, but I know that there wasn't like a, a boundary line that was set, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the same thing with me. I mean, I don't, I don't think in 
in any of the... Again, uh, it's hard to say, like, because I didn't spend a ton of time with the pastors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's hard to say what the pastors would have said. But I I can resonate with what you were saying, Patrick. It's like, I'm try- I don't think I was ever called out by anyone that I was friends with about the life that I was living. Mm -hmm. You know, there would have been, there definitely would have been some, maybe like a, a general sense of, yeah, I probably shouldn't look at pornography. Or, yeah, you know, we all struggle. That sort of thing. But I don't think anybody ever called me out on like the life I was living or the choices of my entertainment or mm. how I talked to people. There was mm-hmm. there was never any of that. The one person, and I really appreciate the one person who actually did take a stand against um, me viewing pornography because there was a, a guy who did, and I mm. really appreciate that. Um, but again, just kind of the general... Yeah, I mean, just the general level of like acceptance for just worldliness was very high. So mm-hmm. I never really questioned my life mm-hmm. and how I was living. Um, okay, so here's another thing. We were talking about how in the church, if a church is based on exalting people with charisma and giftings and abilities, that that creates just kind of an open door for false teaching. So if you like, if you were in any of those circles... What did that say to you about what it really meant to be a Christian? You, I mean, you kind of said that, right? Like, mm-hmm. your church was moving you into position of influence because of your abilities. So what did that say to you about what it meant to walk with God? Yeah, um, I think that there, the aspect of humility was really diminishing because it was more like, wow, I have something to bring to the table and they want what I have to bring to the table. And it actually got to the level um, that I actually had started like my own ministry and I had a board and all these people were supportive of me. But but like you were saying earlier of like that I was put into a place of position without having the character to back it up at all. So yeah, I really failed. My own ministry failed because I didn't really know how to lead people or even deal with any, you know, of those issues that needed to be dealt with. And I'd say even as far as like false teachers go, like I was a big one, but I think a lot of people saw through it because it didn't, mm. I was not really succeeding. Yeah. Cause I really wanted what I wanted and what I wanted was a bunch of people to follow me okay, to buy merchandise. Cause I'm doing hip hop and try to, and like a lot of my motives of my heart were being exposed, but yeah, that but I was still, you know, getting a lot of support from those ministries that were putting me in those positions. Okay. okay. So yeah. But I did fall flat on my face. So Well, that was a mercy. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this I I didn't totally relate to this question, but as I was like sitting here, it's like that I got to a place where I don't think I knew what it meant to be a Christian. Mm. Like you know, I I was in eighth grade when I responded to an altar call, and I really believe, and in ninth grade when I really believe the Lord revealed himself to me in a very real way. But by the time I was 
20 in my 20s you know i just full of pride full of anger full of depression and just thinking i was the best thing out there and but just really really empty and i think that came from just because i wasn't hearing the truth because no one was confronting me it sounds weird right like i i heard all the stuff about love and you know grace or whatever but because there was no confrontation to the sin in my life i just i didn't know the real jesus i didn't know god in reality and it left me very very empty yeah well that's i mean that that's the one of the foundational parts of actually entering into the kingdom is like you have to face yourself down yeah there's i mean you can't come into the kingdom without repentance yeah so it just makes sense that if you're never really being confronted then you kind of like enter into this movement but you don't enter into the kingdom mm-hmm. and i know that was definitely true for me big time um, like I had an experience when I was about 15 with the Lord that I think it's pretty similar to you. Like it was real. Yeah. But it wasn't the full thing. Yeah. And it never developed into a lifestyle of repentance mm-hmm. and a lifestyle of faith. It never produced fruit, mm-hmm. which I think is somewhat of what Jesus was talking about in the seed and the sower, hmm. um, that there's, there, are, there are people who the, the seed is sown, and, and there's something that happens, like the seed on rocky ground or the seed in thorny soil. There's something happens, and there is a kind of a change, but it never produces any fruit because there's a problem still in the heart, and that hmm. was definitely my case. Hmm. I was thorny soil big time. You know, mm-hmm. there was just all this other stuff hmm. that was choking out the word. And so it, yeah, it just never produced any fruit. Um, did any of you, did either of you guys ever like, okay, so you're in this church, you're in a church system or you're in your church, but then with the advent of the internet, there's all this opportunity to get other teaching. So it's like, oh, I got my pastor, but sometimes, you know, sometimes somebody goes to a local church, but the person they most listen to is somebody on the internet. Did you guys do any of that? Um, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Then why did I invite you into this show? (laughs) I, uh, I would say like, there were like certain types of teachings that I personally thought were right. Okay. So I guess that I listened to a few of those guys and they were more in line with people that my brother had put me, my eyes on and told me, oh, this is a solid teacher. Okay. So I would like really exalt those teachings. So I would say I did watch like YouTube and stuff like that, but I didn't explore new things. It was just like, I really exalted certain teachers and was like, if I know this, if I grasp onto this, this is like going to be the thing. Like this knowledge, this doctrinal 
thing that I'm ascribing to or subscribing okay. to is saving me or like I, I know the right answers. Oh, okay. So that was a big thing for me was just learning from like really heady teachers. Okay. Hmm. I feel like I'm the opposite of really heady teachers. It was really emotional um, messages. And I, I, I'm kind of the same way. I didn't really like listen to a lot of online stuff, but I listened to a ton of music like I said earlier, was totally absorbed in worldly entertainment. And so I just, there's so much spiritual stuff out there and I would just gravitate towards anything that seemed spiritual or had an element of truth in it. And when I was kind of reflecting on this, it's like, there, especially in the like mid-2000s maybe when I was uh, like a teenager, like there were a lot of bands out there with really like emotional and like, life is hard. There's a lot of pain inside right. you, but it's okay. Like it's going to get We're gonna better. We're going to make it. Yeah. And it just, that kind of, I call it like squishy love, like, and, and really cheap grace, like just was it everything that I held on to because it gives you kind of, it gives you an emotional release, like kind of like a high, like in that moment, listening to that song or listening to that one line of a message, you really like, oh, I feel better in this moment. And even like sometimes confessing things to people, like I feel better mm -hmm. in this moment, but then it doesn't last. Yeah, I would actually add something then because you're talking about teachings, but he brought up music. Right. Oh, sorry. Music and like a big thing for me was hip hop and I was like addicted to it. Like I listened to like every Christian hip hop album that I could find. Like I just would just all day listen to that like mm. nonstop, like always had it on. And I was very much influenced by that like whatever these guys are saying like this is real this is real this is real and then if I saw a guy I didn't really agree with or something came out then kind of like cancel him and my and like in what I listened to but I really exalted those as well like just hip-hop artists and yeah there was a lot of like I came out of secular hip-hop <laughs> before I went into the Christian realm so I was literally just I my flesh loved the rap and like just the feeling. So that's what I was drawn to. Right. So yeah, yeah, I could say that that was like something I was very much controlled by. That's a, that's an interesting, I never thought about that, that there are more avenues of teaching than just sermons. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't, I didn't really consider that as I was preparing for this interview. Like if you listen to an artist, like a professing Christian artist, he's preaching to you. Mm -hmm. at some level, mm -hmm. or she's preaching to you, you know, she's bringing you a message. Or like if you follow people on Instagram, even if their whole channel is just inspirational quotes or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's presenting a message to you mm -hmm. about what it means to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. So that's really, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, and so like we all gravitate toward what we want to hear at some level, even if it's not necessarily like, oh, I just need somebody to make me feel justified in my sin. It could just be, I want to feel better mm -hmm. about my life. I'm looking for this emotional relief, like you said it. So did, did you guys, as you were attracted to these different artists or 
did you ever think in terms of like, maybe this is a false teacher. (laughs) Maybe this is leading me away from Jesus. Did you ever have any of those thoughts? Well, like they had to do something very outwardly obvious for me not to just accept them. Like what? What would have crossed that line? Like Like, shoot somebody? No, like, (laughs) like sometimes like they might like say things like they might like kind of swear or like they might just like throw something in there and like some people can find that acceptable because like it's like, well, in the, the moment of what he's sharing, it's just very impactful and that emotion was needed for him to say that. And I would be like, no, that's not really acceptable. But other than that, like they can say anything. And a lot of them, like the artists I listened to, they were under the Christian label, like they were called Christian, but like most of their songs were about themselves or their life, about personal experiences. So it's like, the whole like label of this is Christian music sucked me in and now I'm just subject to whatever they want to tell me. And it doesn't have to be anything about the gospel or about Jesus. It's just, yeah, anything goes at that point. Hmm. Wow. Patrick? No. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I just, nope, never nope. did. <laughs> I, I will say, because I'm like, well, I have to say something more than no. <laughs> but I, I remember as I was thinking about this, Pastor Steve says it's not so much what they are saying, but what they're not saying. And that, I just want to give a hearty yes and amen to it. Right. That's when I think back on all that stuff. None of it was lies. I You know, it's just that there was a lot of stuff that, like, yeah, it's like, you're getting, like, if you drink a soda, right, like, you feel refreshed, but it's not actually doing anything for you. It's not, like, water that's actually going to sustain you. That's what that stuff was like looking back on it. Yeah. Yeah, it really is true. Like, once you remove, once you remove any part of the whole counsel of God, at some level, what you teach then becomes a distortion. Mm-hmm. And it can become a huge distortion if you leave out like the need for repentance. Because mm-hmm. um, I would guess that very few churches that people go to are openly preaching like heresy. Okay, some of the mainline denominations, you know, they're they're sliding way off into liberalism. But most of the evangelical churches that a person goes to, they're not teaching like open heresy, but if they're leaving out big portions of of what Jesus taught, what the apostles taught, it really does become a mm. big lie. Mm-hmm. And it's just very easy to then drift away mm-hmm. from the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's really easy then in a in a church environment like that to to just drift off into a lie, mm-hmm. you know, yourself. Um were there any like looking back on it, were there any specific lies that you embraced that when you came to pure life you realized, "Whoa. Wow, that was a that was totally a false teaching." Mm. <sighs> Everything. <laughs> I'm, no, I mean, I, I definitely could say that on a number of things. I, from the simplest things, like simplest, but like some pretty common things like evolution or abortion or homosexual. Uh, you would start to embrace all of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I grew up in a conservative church, but in, you know, eight years, 10 years time was just like, whatever, whatever goes. 
as long as you say, like, I follow Jesus. But the one thing that I can really, like, talk about for myself, just that idea of, like, cheap grace, false grace, like, yeah, just that everything is okay and it doesn't matter who I am or what I do. I mean, I didn't, a lot of times when people come to Pure Life and you listen to a Pure Life testimony, they're like, I tried everything before I came here. I didn't try everything because I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. Yeah. Mm. Um, until I was confronted about it. And then I came here and it's it's like there wasn't any one thing that changed me. It was just I began to get out of all of that stuff that was coddling my emotions and not telling me what I needed to hear. And I started to hear truth preached and sit um, just constantly absorbing truth, but then like eventually just like studying the word every day for myself and just absorbing it. And you start to hear the Lord speak. Like I, it's, you know, I listen to messages or I read the Bible or I pray and it's not, it's not all that stuff that the world is saying. It's like, I'm really communing with God and hearing his voice. And as I hear him, he cleanses me. And it's, so it's not like one day I heard something where it's like, oh yeah, false grace is like a lie. It's just, it, the Lord transformed and renewed my line, my mind, just like he promises to do in his word mm. as I've, yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. I think it was pretty similar for me. I, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I didn't try anything mm-hmm. to get out of my sin. I was happy in my sin. I mean, like I was miserable in the sense of um, sin just like yeah. hollows you out. But I wasn't trying to get out of sin. I never connected things in my mind. I was just like, whatever, this is what I love to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, yeah, just being at Pure Life, and it was probably the mixture of like someone actually saying the words to me, something's wrong (laughs) in your life. I needed to hear that. Like something is wrong Mm -hmm. because... Almost no one had ever said that, said those words, you know? So then it's like making me think, oh, maybe something is wrong. I'm open to the possibility. And then that steady dose of just being in the Bible and starting to ask myself, like, what does Jesus actually mean when he says some of these things? And just being in the, I don't know, being in the atmosphere and away from, like you were saying, away from all that stuff that was just constantly polluting my mind, then I started to go, oh my God goodness, like, I don't think I know the Lord. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, yeah, it just really brings, I think, into focus, like, how this pervasive atmosphere of worldliness and pursuing the things that we want without hearing anything that contradicts those lies just really cements in our hearts and minds mm-hmm. the things that we want to believe, mm-hmm. which is almost always going to be a lie. Yeah. You know what our flesh wants. Yeah, it's it's funny like that we got three of us right here that cuz I'm also on that same boat that I didn't fight at all mm-hmm. before I came to pure life and the 
thing that I really believed was that, you know, sanctification is a process. And my distorted view of it was if I'm just doing better than I was last year or if I'm improving in little ways, even if it's over a long period of time and I'm still given over pretty much, I didn't see it that way, that I'm actually being sanctified and I'm I'm getting closer to the Lord and I'm just, you know, I'm getting better. And um, I didn't really believe that 100% before because I came out of a solid teaching that taught me that those things weren't true. But over time of going to other churches and really getting involved in other teachings and nobody was confronting me, I was getting hollowed out and I didn't, I forgot, almost forgot everything I was told before that how I was living was leading me to death. Hmm. And I ascribed to these new ideas and the scripture, when I came to the program here after just, you know, my sin got exposed and my pastor, the senior pastor and my brother, the associate pastor had confronted me pretty much all over again about how I was living because I had got exposed to them. And I came to the program here and there was actually a scripture that I read in counseling that my counselor had me read and it really hit me about where I was with the Lord and it, the Second Timothy three one through seven, and I'm reading this out of the New American Standard Bible, says, "But realize this: that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving." irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that scripture really hit me because I'm like, wow, this really describes me and I do love pleasure and I don't love God. And that was just so black and white to me Hmm. at that point. So all the ideas of like me being sanctified and me growing closer Mm -hmm. to the Lord just were thrown out the window because I'm like, this is the truth right here that I can't be, I can't love pleasure and love God. So that was like a reality check for me. Hmm. So, yeah, I think that one of the key takeaways is just how important it is for us to be in the Word of God for ourselves, mm-hmm. like yeah. daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Just that that is one of the most important spiritual disciplines we can have. Um, Because I know for myself, just over the years, there's been so much that has gotten cleared up for me, and it didn't, it just didn't happen all at once. There was no sermon, you know, that was going to answer all my questions or help me. It was daily bread that I needed and daily guidance Mm -hmm. from the Lord. Like, I needed a teacher Mm. and um, not just not just a man, although he does use men for sure, but I needed also like him personally to be my shepherd. Mm-hmm. You guys can definitely relate to that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would say that that was huge for me in the program, like 
having to be led by the Lord personally, because I always held on to the coattails of men before, but then, and just always what others believed. And I didn't even really read the word for myself. I probably read the commentary part on the bottom of the Bible more than I read the top of the Bible. Right. It was almost like backwards. And yeah, I think just getting in the word and just seeing what it says for yourself, it really does help because no matter what somebody's telling you, if you're looking at what Jesus is saying and you're looking at what the Lord is saying through scripture, you're going to get the truth. So yeah, just even like the morning Bible times, I remember my counselor just had me literally read like the whole Pentateuch, <laughs> like just wow. spend like you spend this much time on Genesis every morning for your quiet time. Do this, do this. And I was like, man, I'm getting hit with so much truth. And I'm like, I didn't even know this was in the Old Testament. <laughs> right. And like there are parts in the law that were describing everything that would have happened to me if I would have died of my sin. I'm like, oh, wow. And, you know, and just even got to do some of that with the Gospels. And yeah, that really did a renewing in my mind. It's just, it was the willingness to really get into it for myself, though. Like, whatever anybody else told me and tried to guide me, it didn't wasn't really doing anything because a man's words can't renew me. It was only going to be from the Word of God and from, you know, crying out to Him. So really, for me, it was a willingness to dive yeah. into it. And also, I did read the Word of God before, so it wasn't just going to it for intellectual knowledge to win an argument or to be able to say, I know what's right, but to really, I want to know the Lord. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I, I it's hard for me to explain it cause it's so personal, but I do know that like back in the day, I remember I used to drive through this desert, um, to get to work and, I remember like pulling over one time and just like crying out to the Lord and it felt like, because I was so miserable and it's like I was longing for something that was out there. Yeah. And now I don't feel that way. Like I still struggle with things, but he's here and he is like so intimate and so personal and the more I study the Word of God, the more intimate and the more personal it becomes. And even we were talking a couple months ago, and you were like, you just need to understand the mercy and the love of God more. And so it's like, okay, every morning I started waking up, and I just look at another verse of the Bible where it uses the word mercy, mm. um, or in my Bible it says steadfast love, but just that Hebrew word hesed, and I just kept studying it, and it's like all of a sudden like just like this overwhelming like flood of seeing who he is has, I don't know, just recently been overwhelming me, but also in the stuff that I've been dealing with personally, like it's been reshaping me and yeah. protecting me and guiding me and helping me. And that's, and I just, I believe that that's going to continue in greater and greater ways the more I know him personally and the more I know him personally through his word. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know we harp on this stuff all the time at Pure Life, like read the Bible, study the Bible, yeah. be in the word of God, but... I think that's why we do it, yeah. right? Because that really changed us. Yeah, and we're excited mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, when you're I, excited <laughs> about something, you want to share it with people. Yeah. Do this. Yeah, do, do this. It really will make a huge difference. Yeah, and it'll protect people. It'll protect people from the very real, 
abundance of deception that yeah. is out there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's more than a system. A system won't save you. Jesus personally mm-hmm. will save us and lead us and guide us. That's what we need. So, okay. Thanks, guys, for coming in. It's great. Thank you for having us. Yeah. It was a blessing. Thanks for listening. John quoted scripture out of the New American Standard Bible, copyright 1995, used by permission from the Lockman Foundation. And if you haven't already listened to the podcast episode that this discussion is related to, then check out episode 502, Babylon, Infiltrating the Church with a False Gospel.